Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity of this moment right here, right now. We look to you, God, that you would do something. We believe in the God who is close. You are right here with us right now, wherever we gather. And so we thank you today. We believe that something is about to take place, that you will take your word and you will work by your spirit and you'll do a work in people's lives who don't even believe you exist yet. You are the God who is able, who is willing, who is for us. And today we believe you're going to turn up in a mighty way in people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, you can take a seat and um, let's get into this. So we're in week three of this series called The You Revolution. On the screen is going to come up an image. Is it there? Uh, there he is. That's me at 24. And um, so there he is. And this guy is on an island. Now, the reason I wanted to show you the guy on a desert island without any technology in his hand is because if you're a guy and you want to find yourself a wife, the place to be is not on a desert island on your own, not linked into technology. That would be a bad place to be if you want to find yourself a wife. Now, the next image we're about to look at in a moment is the perfect place to be if you want to find yourself a wife. Here it comes up on the screen. Shine Women's Conference is the perfect place to be if you want to find yourself a wife. You should serve on team, get a job, preferably in the room, wear your best clothes, go buy yourself some good cologne, turn up looking sharp, get someone who looks fashionable, a female preferably to draw you, uh, to dress you, ask them what you should wear, and turn up and serve your little heart out. There are places that position us for what is possible. A desert island disconnected from technology is not the place to position yourself if you want to find yourself a wife. But Shine Conference, in the midst of hundreds of women who love Jesus, that is the perfect place to position yourself if you want to find a wife. In week three of this You Revolution series, I want to talk to you about position. Position, because um, position is powerful. How we position our life is vital and pivotal. It's powerful in defining in our You Revolution and what flows from it. How we position our life. Of all the messages that I would say that I preach, this is of the hundreds, I'm not sure, it might be thousands now, of messages that I've preached. This is the one that I feel like I can say to you, I've lived it and I can approve it. Like there's lots of them, but this is the one. If I said there's one message that I think I've lived in my life, this would be it. And seen the, 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 the outcome of what it talks about come to pass to this degree, and obviously there's a whole lot of future left, God willing, a whole lot of future in front. So I, I, I want to recommend this message to you, everything we talk about to you, that you would take hold of it and that you would use it in your life if you aren't already. Let's talk about it. Um, the right, um, uh, let's talk about positioning. We're going to look at five ways to powerfully position our life, specifically as it relates to the you revolution and what flows from it, but positioning our life regardless. And so to get us going, a quick recap um, from last week, uh, from the last few weeks, our U revolution is hindered by the I God phenomenon. Talked about that in week one. Our U revolution begins with these seven words, not my will, but yours be done. 
those seven words as it relates to God profoundly shift our lives. It's not something you can do by measures. It's not something you can shift by degrees. It's not something that we keep the paradigm that we live with and add this to it. That won't get it done. But when that becomes our paradigm, sorry, that's the next week, isn't it? We talked about a paradigm shift. When our paradigm becomes God, cause and people, when that shift goes on, not an adding in of God, but a, an overtaking of God in that he and his cause and the people that he loves, which is all humanity, become the paradigm from which we live from. A revolution can go on in our heart that transforms our lives and ripple effects from there. And so that was week one and week two and week three is, is right now. Right, yes, I'm up to speed. Week three is today. And we're going to talk about positioning our life so that you and I become the right people in the right place at the right time with God or for God. Imagine that being said of your life. That is absolutely what God wants to do. That you and I become the right people in the right place at the right time for God. And I think that to live out of that place, to find ourselves in that place is an incredible place to come to and what we do with today really positions us for that kind of future. So five ways um, to position our lives. We're going to go to Psalm 78. Very famous in our church, this passage. Psalm 78, verses 70 to 72. These verses, more than just about any, have shaped my life over, particularly over the last decade. And I think they're going to be incredibly helpful to you. Psalm 78 from verse 70. Speaking of God, it says... He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens. From tending the sheep, he brought him to be the shepherd of his people, of Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, and with skillful hands he led them. I love these verses. They remind me of what's possible with God, even when things are impossible amongst people. He takes a shepherd boy. I don't know the, I was a milk boy. They don't even have it anymore, do they? I was a milk boy. When I was at school, I was a milk boy. For those of you who don't know what a milk boy is, a milk boy is someone who gets on the back of a truck full of different kinds of milk. He fills up a crate. He jumps off the truck. He goes to all the houses that order their milk. I found like I was, sounds like I was born in 1856, right? And he delivers the milk to the house and he goes to the next house. And for four hours, I would do that. And, and it was like they paid me to go for a run. It was awesome unless it was raining or 40 degree heat. God takes milk boys, who are a lot shepherd boys, and makes them kings of nations. He takes little girls, I'm so trying to convince my youngest daughter, and makes them prime ministers of countries. God sees things in you and I that we can't yet see ourselves. He, he has futures for you and I that we don't yet perceive. Now, does that mean everybody's going to, you know, I don't know, you know, in church world, they value the platform a bit. Does that mean everybody's going to stand on a platform and everybody's going to have a global influence? No, of course not. The, the point is here that God takes people from and he brings people to when they position their life with him. He takes people from wherever they are and he brings people to wherever it is he is leading them. And that's, that's what he wants to do in your life. That's what he wants to do in my life. That he wants, that's what he wants to do in people's lives all around us right now in this moment, to take people's lives and to bring people's lives to. And, and so to start this message around positioning, that is all on him. That is his business. And just David settled that. 
that wherever God was taking him from and bringing him to, David said it settled early in his life that that was God's business and that his business was to position his life for that possibility, the potential of that, whatever God had called him to for that to come to pass. And so positioning becomes powerful. God's business is where we come from and bring to, and our business is to position our lives for that future. And that's what I want to talk about with you today. Because we're all positioning our lives for a future anyway, already. You're already positioning your life for a future. It just depends what you're positioning it for, because there's this lag, isn't there? There's this, there's this lag time between what we position for now and turning up in that, fu- that future, turning up somewhere in our lives. If you've ever brought a house, if you've ever done a trade, if you've ever gone to university, you've positioned your life now with a future in mind. So when it comes to God, there's a positioning now that has a God-appointed future out front of us. The good news is that he has a God-appointed future for everybody. The bad news is that not everybody goes there. The good news is, because I don't like to end with bad news, The good news is that he wants you to go there. He's waiting for you to go there if you're not already, or maybe you are. And all he wants to do is get started, keep moving, take us on that journey. There's no condemnation around where I'm at, but there is a rally and the call of God to where he would lead us. So here we go, five ways to powerfully position our life and to position it in terms of a you revolution going on. Number one, it says here, he chose David his servant, and this is big. This sets everything else up that follows. He chose David, his servant. God chose David, his servant. Number one today, if you're taking notes, is that the thing that positions us um, for a new revolution to go on, that positions us for our God appointed future, is I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve. And this is big. I'm here to serve. My life is about serving King Jesus. That's, the, that's like the cornerstone of positioning. I'm here to serve. And, and so this is big. What are we going to do with this? David said, you know, it was said of David that he served God's purpose in his generation, Acts 13, 36. From beginning when he was a shepherd boy across the periods of time that he lived to the very last breath of his, his days, David determined that he was here to serve God's purpose in his generation. Some thoughts here. I'm here to serve is not a stepping stone or a, or a season. Um, in, in church world, if, if you're unfamiliar with it, um, most Christians are, are familiar with the idea that we're here to serve. And my observation is that the longer you go on, the more you can look like serving was a season you did, not a future we have. And I'm here to serve. You, you'll hear things like, I, I kind of, I've kind of done my time. And where service is not a season, it's a, it's a spirit. It's not a... Stepping stone, it's a spirit till the end of our days, to our very last breath, as long as we have the capability to function. What a privilege it is that God would invite you and I to serve him with our life. Uh, in Jesus' name, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve looks different in every season. It's going to look different. The way I serve now looks different to the way I served when I was 21, that's for sure. It, the, the seasons shift, but the spirit does not. I'm here to serve positions our lives like few things can. It is like there. This, this sets everything up. This positions us like nothing else can. That's number one. Number two, he took David from 
shepherding the sheep to shepherding a nation. Uh, really, you could just write that sentence down, take it home and think and pray on that. He took David from shepherding sheep to shepherding a nation. Number two is steward the now. David was the master of stewarding the now, stewarding the season he was in when he was shepherding sheep. David, the Bible talks about David stewarding that before God. Again, you know, like um, just stewarding the season that we're in, stewarding the now. When David became a, David was a harpist, he was a musician. And when David uh, got summoned to the king's house, he stewarded the season of being a harpist in the king's courts. David becomes a military leader of a thousand men. That makes you kind of a big deal in their world. And he stewarded the season. He stewarded the now. He just went, this is what I've got to steward. I'm going to steward it well. But then you would think now that he's been faithful with a thousand, God would give him more, but he doesn't. God removes him from leading a thousand, takes him off to the, to, 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 you know, the Siberia of Israel. He takes him off to the, the middle of nowhere. And, and where he is forgotten and on the run and living in caves and he's leading a rebel band of 400, like the dregs of society. And you could say, how did the guy who stewarded the sheep and then stewarded the harp playing and then stewarded captaining a thousand, how did that guy end up on the fringe of society, a man on the run with a military band of 400 men who nobody wanted? But he stewarded the now to the fullest of his ability and then and then he goes on and God opens up a door and he stewards what they call two tribes of the nation. And for seven years, he stewards the two tribes. And then after seven years, he stewards leading the full nation just as God had promised him when he was just little more than a boy. There was what was God's business, but David stewarded the season he was in. Stewarding the now is, is where it's always at. So right now, where you are at, what has God given you to steward? That, that, that's where it's at. That's, that's completely where it's at. It's, it, it's not waiting for a season where doors open and things happen. It's where we are right now is where it's at with what we've got. Man, if you're, you're raising kids, I thank God. I've said it many times. I thank God for my mum. Thank God for the things she put into me when I was young, that they, they didn't look like they were showing up for a whole lot of years, but eventually they did. I thank God for that. She stewarded a season when to most people she was, you know, when we were pushing her V-dub, little, you know, the little, some of you know them, the V-dub, it was old then, it's old now, little V-dub two-door, when my brother and I were pushing it down the hill to get it started, back in the day, when we were just in third and fourth class, back in Macquarie Fields, when we were stewarding, when we were pushing it down the hill, and my mum was doing the best at that point to raise us in a godly way, I doubt my mum thought, oh, I'm stewarding the season, God's got this, everything's awesome, I'm positioning my life for its got a point of future. There's a revolution going on. She wouldn't have thought that, not for one moment. But if she could see, if she could see, and if she could see beyond this moment, just stewarding the now, whatever that looks like for you, it's where it's at. It's a greater privilege than we know. Stewarding the now is where it's at. Stewarding the now to the fullest of our ability. And I think this is so important. You, you know, when you think what you have got to steward in this season of life, are we stewarding it to the fullest of our ability? Not in perfection. None of us can do it in perfection, but just to the fullest of our ability. How are we going with that? I, some of you are doing a great job. Some of you are you're just doing a phenomenal job of stewarding the now to the fullest of your ability. That positions your life with God. 
And then stewarding the now makes us ready, makes the next possible if there's a next to come. Stewarding the now just makes the next possible. So that's number two. Number three. Number three, it says here in this passage, he shepherded them with integrity of heart. Integrity, character, position, our lives. This is vital. This is pivotal. This is defining. This is powerful with God. Our integrity. Integrity is so, so powerful, so pivotal, so defining in our life with God. Um, sorry, I went to number four then, didn't I? Let's stay with number four. If I remember, we'll go back to number three. Um, he shepherded them with integrity of heart. Um, nothing speaks to positioning like character. Job 27 talks about it. Uh, Job says this of himself. He says, I'll not deny my integrity even if it costs me my life. Now that's integrity. I'm holding fast to my integrity and not loosening my grip. And believe me, I'll never regret that. Isn't that true? I don't know a person I've met who's held on to their integrity who lived to regret it. There might be one, I've not met them. And, and living with integrity, living with well-developed character positions our life like few things can. Integrity, integrity brings right believing and right behaving together. Integrity chooses what is right above whatever competes. You know, there are going to be things that compete for our integrity at times in our life. And when we come to those places and we choose integrity above all things, we just again reposition, we just again position our life for something to go on with God. It's an incredible place to live from. And character obviously is bigger than integrity. Integrity is part of character. So, so good character or bad character both position us somewhere, don't they? Like, they just do. And good character or bad character, eventually they will show up. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not even next year, though probably. But at some point in our future, the character that we live with will show up. And at some point in our future, our character will become a ceiling with God. It will become a limiting ceiling. We can't even see what's going on. It becomes a limiting ceiling with God or it becomes a platform God builds on, which is what happened with David. David's character becomes part of the platform that God builds on as he positions his life. God, God sees that here's a young man I can do something with. Here's a guy who can walk into their God-appointed future. And character is so powerful. So think about where you, you and I might be up to today. Let me read you a Bible verse. Romans chapter 5 or 2, verses 3 and 4, it says this. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. I can't say I've fully... Uh, lived that. I don't glory particularly in my sufferings. But he gives a reason why. He says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance produces character and character hope. There's, there's just no short-circuiting character's development in our life. It's not a gift. You can't pray it into being. Character is something that is developed over the course of time as we move through struggle, as we persevere, and as God has his way in our life. And so I just want to encourage you today, if you find yourself under strain, if you find yourself in a struggle, if you find yourself stretched to your limits, and you can recognise that God is doing something of character building in your life, don't quit now. Just stay the course. I was telling the guys in the 8.30 session about five or six weeks ago, I was going to meet a friend of mine, he's a pastor, he's older than me, and he always asks me this question. He always says, Darren, how are you going? 
And I'm usually able to say to him, mate, I'm traveling really good. I feel like I'm, most of the time, that's my answer. I'm, you know what, I'm awesome. My life is so good. And, and I thought about the question because I knew I couldn't give him that answer. And I thought, what, what am I going to say when he says, how are you really, how are you going? I, th- I thought, I've got to say to him, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. And I've never thought that thought in my life. I'm not sure how I'm going. In, in the background, I was, you know, if I get flat, I know what to do. I know if I get flat time with God, go to the gym, pray. You know, I, I, I know the cycle of how just getting, you know, immersed with God and, and his word. And that's the cycle for me. I know what the Bible says. And I, so I was doing everything right and I was still flat in my spirit. What's going on? I, I was emotional. I was crying at things that I never cry at. I, I was the it's the weirdest thing. Felt like I could have watched a romantic comedy and cried. It was bizarre. And I say it was, but it hasn't yet finished. And just, but here's what I do know. Here's what I know for sure. Is that God is doing something. I'm not even sure what it is yet. I'll be able to tell you sometime soon you'll hear, the, you'll hear, the, you'll hear it in a message called I'm not sure yet or something like that. Or I'm sure now, you know, I don't know. But what I do know is in the struggle and in the stretch and in the strain of it, that God is up to something and that struggle needs to persevere, that character would have its way and that will give birth to hope. So wherever you're up to, you know, if you find yourself there, just keep positioning your life, just keep being up for the struggle. And I know that's easy for me to say, you know, I'm told you're going, Darren, you're talking about five weeks, I'm talking about five years, I know. But it doesn't change what I, I get to say to you because of what the scriptures encourage us with. It's worth the struggle. It's worth the strain. It's worth the stretch for character to go on in our lives that position us in ways nothing else can. Number five, a final port to, a thing today. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart. And these, my favourite words, that they, I just love these words. They seem so unspiritual. I love that they're in Scripture because they're so profoundly powerful. And he led them with skillful hands or with skillful hands he led them. I love this. I, I love this because in, if you've been around the you know, Christian sphere for long enough, you know most of what I've talked about. You know that number three, which we missed, is our heart, that our heart positions us. Most of you, if you've been around a while, you know that. And you know I'm here to serve. You know that. And... And, and, and these things are obvious that, that we live with character. You kind of get that. But with skillful hands, he led them, that his skill positioned his life. Makes sense to everybody maybe outside the church, but it doesn't get a whole lot of airtime sometimes inside it. Our capacity positions us, and our capacity becomes a ceiling, even on what's possible with God or a platform that he can build on. And, and, and people say, no, Darren, no, it doesn't matter. It does. Listen to this, Exodus 23. In verse 31, he gives this wild promise about the expansion of their territory. And in verse 29, he proceeds it with this. I will not drive them out in a single year, talking about their enemies, because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. He's saying, hey, I've got this supernatural promise that only I can bring to pass. 
And even though God's supernatural promise is out in their future, he says that promise is limited to your capacity to handle it. And he says, but as your capacity grows, I will bring the promise to pass. And in positioning our lives, is there's something that needs to go on called a commitment to growing our capacity. Capacity determines if we can or can't. Capacity determines if God will or won't, not whether he will or won't generally, but will or won't through us. Capacity determines a ceiling or a platform. And so here, here are some ways to build capacity in that position in our lives. Number one, get a grip on where it's at and what is next. Just get a grip on where are things really at and what's next. Number two, Build your strengths. Just build our strengths. Where, what are you strong at? Oh, thank God that we live in a time in our church where we have staff. I no longer have to do admin. And they thank God that I don't have to do admin either. In fact, the three minutes of admin I do a week, sorry, is the three minutes that creates hell for everybody. Thank God. Build, build around your strengths. What's God given you? Where are you strong? Where's he gifted you? What has he given to you? Just build around Get a grip on where it's at and what's next. Build around our strengths. Here's the, here's the important one. Do the important work of growing the inner person. If I'm a believer in Jesus, do the important work of growing the inner person, the inner man, the inner woman. Another thought, trust the God-orchestrated process of growing up our capacity. Just trust God with it. Stay with it. Stick. Don't give up now. Now's not the time to quit. Just stay with it. You know, Aussies just... Need some old school resilience sometimes. Need some old school grit. Let's just, I'm looking across for, to Dan Moore for confirmation because he believes it. Dan Coleman believes it. Just some old fashioned grit just on the inside of us. Just continue to get, get that going on. Trust the God orchestrated process. Where's he leading you? What's he taking you through? Trust him with that. He's trying to build something into us. Uh, the next one is let go of the limited you. I feel like a um, Anthony Robbins when I say that, like a a self-help guru, but it's true. There's some things that are in us that can't be in us that are part of our future. What is that in our lives? What, what do I need to let go of in order to become um, who God is building capacity, who I'm becoming, and the capacity God's working in? We must give up parts of who we are now to become who God is calling us to be next. And I don't mean changing who you are or your personality or anything like that. I'm talking about capacity what is that that's got to go on in you and then here's an easy way to find a way forward what's the one thing is often what I do personally I found it helpful what's the one thing I can do in this next season to build capacity in even if it's with 10 minutes a day 15 minutes a day four times a week just something that I'm building capacity in because as I build in skill like David did along his journey it really does position me for what's possible with God it positions me in my you revolution. Let me close with this. I've lost my jar. Have I? Oh no, it's here. There's this story in the book of John where Jesus does his first miracle and Jesus messes everybody's mind up with his first miracle. He doesn't forgive somebody's sins. That's what you'd think Jesus would have done, right? His first miracle is to turn water into wine. Should let that linger. Jesus' first miracle was to go to a wedding and turn water into wine. That just reframes who Jesus is and what God's like, you know. And they run out of wine and it was a shameful thing to run out of wine at a Jewish wedding. 
And so Jesus' mother, as good mothers do, says, just do whatever He says to do. So Jesus tells them to go get the temple pots. I don't know that that's even legal. But they go and get the temple pots and He says, fill them with water. And they fill them with water. And then they serve them to the, uh, the host of the wedding. And when He pours the water, and I don't know if I can get this in, I haven't practised this. He pours the water and it's wine. Yeah, I know. I just prayed and a miracle went on. And I can prove it. Look, it's all wine in there now. I can prove it. It's like, we're going to hold a rally. You can come. It'll cost you 50 bucks to get in. Jesus turns water into wine. His first miracle is done. But here's the thing. The miracle ran out at the very moment that the temple jars were full. The moment the temple jars were full, there was no more miracle. What does that teach me today? It teaches me that where the capacity was, the miracle ended. But as long as there was capacity there, the miracle continued. Man, they should have brought a hundred temple jars and had a party that went on for weeks and months. But they brought the ones they had and they filled them to the brim. They ran them to their capacity and Jesus worked a miracle where the capacity was there. And the moment the capacity ran out, the miracle ended. And so you and I building in capacity, you and I just getting our heart in the right place, you and I turning up saying, I'm here to serve God's purpose in my generation. You and I just turning up, I'm here to serve. I'm gonna build in capacity, all that comes with it. I'm gonna develop my character. I'm committed to that. Oh, as we do that and position our lives, we, we, a new revolution goes on in us that can flow on from beyond us. And we position in our lives in a place that God can do whatever it is He's going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.